We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1 and reading through verse 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight. You need to underline that in your Bible. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance, the King James says, with patience, the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy, now what a contradiction. Think about this, the joy of the cross doesn't even make sense. But it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, in this room this morning, I pray that you move deeply in hearts and lives. Break chains, destroy bondages, liberate men and women and boys and girls in this room today as we determine to focus on Jesus. I pray it in your name. You may be seated. It was December 29th, 1972. Eastern Airlines Flight 421 departed John F. Kennedy in New York, bound for Miami. And as they begin their approach into Miami, they lowered the landing gear, but the indicator light was showing the gear was not lowered and locked. So the flight engineer began messing with that little light bulb, trying to get it to work, thumping it. And then the co-pilot came back and he began messing with that light bulb, trying to get it to work and to function. Finally, the pilot stepped away from his seat and he too began messing with that indicator light. This is a high-pied, high-priced, highly trained flight crew, all focusing on a 75-cent light bulb. You remember the story. Somehow the autopilot was disengaged, and while those three individuals were focused on a 75-cent light bulb, that plane crashed into the Evergrades, killing 101 people. You see, those guys forgot the main rule of flight. Don't forget to fly the airplane. See, there's a main rule of Christianity, too, and it's don't forget to focus on Jesus. Life comes in on us. We're pressured on every side. We understand hardship and trial, but in the midst of that, we have got to remember the main rule of Christianity is focus on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who's been here, who was successful in life, who overcome death, hell, and the grave. And if we'll keep our eyes on him, he's going to get us through too. But if we lose our focus, if we focus on the 70 cent light bulbs of life, we'll find our life as a train wreck, an accident, only waiting to happen. It didn't work out the way we had thought or the way we had planned. Focus means, by definition, a point of convergence, where what I see and what I'm looking at come together, a point of convergence. It's a state or condition of permitting clear perception or understanding. When you read these verses from the Amplified Bible, and if you go ahead and put those up for me, please, I want to pull a couple of highlights out of that for you. The Amplified says it this way in verse 1, stripping off every unnecessary weight, and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. That's real life there, folks. That's what it's all about. That's where the rubber meets the road. Every day we need to make a conscious decision to strip off everything that keeps me from clearly seeing Jesus. 
And I'm here to tell you, every one of us deal with this. Every one of us have issues with focus because that's the pressure of life. So we as believers have to make it an intent that every day I'm going to wake up with Jesus on my mind. I'm going to open the book and I'm going to hear what he has to say to me today. I'm going to spend some time talking to him, praying and asking him for guidance and direction in my life. You see, it's not enough to come only on Sunday morning. Go home on Sunday noon and put the Bible on the shelf and think I'll get it out next Sunday. You need to talk to him every day to remain focused on him. To allow his direction to flow into your heart and into your life. Strip off everything the Amplified says. And then verse 2 says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. That's a conscious effort. It's a determination of the mind and the spirit. I'm not going to look at what distracts me. I'm going to focus on the king. I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to follow him. You know, a few years ago, well, actually 20 years ago, the doctor said, uh, you need bifocals. I hate bifocals. Anybody here with me? I absolutely hate them, especially when I'm trying to work on the computer. Because that monitor is just outside the range of the bifocal, but not far enough for the vision portion of my glasses to really help me. And so I'm constantly doing this up and down, trying to find the sweet spot so I can see. You say, well, we didn't know you had bifocals. There's no lines. That's because I'm vain. And I have no line, bi- no line bifocals. Why are you laughing? Most of you do too. Yeah. But we understand in order to see clearly through glasses or bifocals, We have to focus. We have to find the right spot so we can see what is in front of us and what we're trying to achieve. It's in your outline, the Greek word for focus, translated in this passage of Scripture, is aphoraro. And it literally means to turn your eyes away from things and to put them or fix them on something better. See, it's an action, it's an attitude, it's a determination, I'm going to focus on Jesus. If you're going to focus on Him, first you have to realize it requires spiritual revelation. You say, I'm not sure I believe that. Sure, there's folks in churches all the time that aren't focused on Jesus because they don't have the revelation of who He really is and what He has really done. You can read it in Mark chapter 3, verse 11, put that scripture on the screen. Even the demons have spiritual revelation. It said, the unclean spirits cried out wherever they were, fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the son of God. Mark chapter 5, when he landed on the coast of Gennesaret, there was the demonic in the graveyard that no man could tame. And when he came to Jesus, he said, Jesus, son of the most high God. See, it was a divine revelation, supernatural revelation. They understood the order and the hierarchy in the kingdom, that Jesus was supreme. They acknowledged him. Then in Mark chapter 8, Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now that's interesting, isn't it? What he's telling them, be careful of what you take in, because what you take in can poison your outlook on life. You see, the leaven of the Pharisees represented the religious establishment. It represented those who had so many rules and regulations, people could never get to God. They bound them, they tied them up in knots so they would never see the grace, the mercy, the love of the Heavenly Father. Beware of that leaven. Can I tell you, religion will get you nowhere. Religion will just bind you. 
Oh, I want you to come into this place and I want you to experience a living God whose name is Jesus, who breaks the yoke of religion and sets you free to know him and to serve him. But he didn't just stop with the Pharisees who were, by the way, his most hated enemy. He went on to talk about the leaven of Herod. He's talking about the leaven of the culture, the leaven of the day. Don't allow that effect to affect you either because it will rob your focus. Later on in that passage, then he says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And I like it better from Matthew chapter 16, beginning, I believe, in verse 18, where he said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the other prophets. But then he boiled it down, and this is where we need to be today. Who do you say that I am? See, that's the question. Who do you say Jesus is? You can't focus on him and let him lead you if you don't understand who he is. And that understanding only comes through supernatural revelation. Who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say back to him? He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you. Hit, hit it, hit it. Be ready for it. It's divine revelation. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh, come on, folks, hear me. We've got to know who we're focused on. It takes divine revelation to understand who Jesus is. And what Jesus is doing in our hearts and in our lives. Revelation is required before you're willing to follow him. If you're just coming to church because it's the right thing to do, you don't have revelation. If you're just coming to church because that's what your grandma and your mama wants, you don't have revelation. I pray this morning that the son of the most high God, the one the demons acknowledge, the one that Peter confessed will show up in your heart. He'll camp out at your doorstep and he will say, it's time for you to answer. Who do you say I am? Requires divine revelation to understand who Jesus is. We even see it in the Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 3. Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. There's a man sitting outside the gate, beautiful. He was there every single day. This wasn't new. He was there because he was crippled. And to make a living and buy his food, he begged for offerings every morning. When Peter and John walked past him, he held up his cup wanting an offering. And the Bible says they stopped and look at it in Acts chapter 3. Because Peter said to him, look on me. What was he doing? He was asking him to change his perception. He was asking him to get ready to receive revelation. And the Bible says in that very next verse that he looked on them expecting to receive. Oh, come on, folks. It's not enough just to look on him. You got to know he's capable of delivering. When I need a savior, he's my forgiver. When I need a healer, he is the great one who heals me, Jehovah Rapha. When I need a provider, he's Jehovah Jireh. When I need peace, he is Jehovah Shalom. You need to understand when you're standing before him, he is capable if you'll expect to receive. Don't come to church thinking I'm going to give it an hour and a half and go home and everything is good and I paid my duty. No, come expecting. Come expecting to stand before the Son of God and let Him invest in your heart and in your life. You see, before we will ever follow Him, 
It has to be revealed to us who he is. He has to prove himself to us. He has to show us his might and his power. What did this text say this morning? He is the author and finisher of our faith. We're going to be talking about that the next two weeks. You need to be here and bring someone with you. So I ask you this morning, what's clouding your vision? What's clouding your focus? What's standing between you seeing Jesus clearly, succinctly, and a desire growing in your spirit to follow him? See, I'm convinced there's a lot of people that carry junk around with them all the time. I even believe there are people who carried junk into this room this morning. Now, what you're about to see, I want you to know and understand, is not real. It's just an illustration. The people depicted are innocent. Please remember that. They're just helping me with an illustration. Chris, would you come? Kobe, would you come? Keon and Andrea, would you come? You see, we need to understand we carry things around all the time. It becomes a weight to us. It becomes something that we can't shake off. Something we can't rid ourselves of until we have a revelation of who Jesus is. Slide down just a little bit more, guys. So I was looking around this morning, and I realized there's some folks who brought some stuff into this place. Melissa, come here. What have you got with you, Melissa? This is crazy. I didn't know you worked construction on the side. This is Melissa Kugel. Come right on up here, right up here beside me. And she brought a sledgehammer. Why would you bring a sledgehammer to church? Well, when I was younger, I was bullied. So it was awful. So I decided I was going to be the toughest person around. Somebody comes at me again, I'm going to strike back, and they'll never do it again. Melissa, aren't you ready to give that to Jesus? No, this, no. I need this. You like that? Yeah. Daniel, you brought something. I've never seen anything like that before. Come on up here, Daniel. What do you have in your bag this morning, Daniel? Oh, this is a bowling ball. A bowling ball? Why yeah, did you bring a bowling ball to church? I want to be at the top all the time. Bowling ball run over everybody. You know, top of the ladder, baby. That's how I roll. If it's my way or the highway. Aren't you ready to give that to Jesus and let him be the highway? No, no I'm not ready for that. Jessica, what did you bring to church with you this morning? That's a heavy bag. Man, look how heavy that thing is. Can, can I look in your bag, Jessica? Yeah, sure. Look what's in here. It's Jessica, why are you bringing broken blocks to church? Um, you know, when I was little, I was abused, and I, I just can't get over it. It was a family friend, and I like, I like my bag with bricks. You see, that's the way so many are. One-third of the people in our country have been abused. And they carry the broken, built, broken building blocks of their lives forever. You want to give that to Jesus this morning, Jessica? Uh, I don't know. No. All I right. Like All right. Mary. Mary, what do you have? Come on on up here, Mary. What, look at those books. What are those books? You must be really... In, I know you have a PhD, but is this your studies? This is the story of my life, Pastor. The story of your this life. This is the story of my life. And you know what? I have six more or seven more volumes to write. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. You know why? Because I love my story and I want people to read my story. Wow. Yes. So you think maybe there's some pride in that, Mary? No, 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 no Pastor. I just love to, to share my story. People should read it, and they should know all about me and how great I am. They should just understand how great I am. 
Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Mary, do you know that Jesus said, if you'll give your life to me, I'll rewrite the story of your life? No, I can write my own story. All right. No. Nancy, you have something really interesting. That looks almost fun. Come right on up here, Nancy. Tell, show us what you brought to church this morning. I got my skates. You've got your skates. Now, did you bring your skates because you skated to church? Because Jody won't put gas in your car? Because it's a new workout program? What's the deal? No, I love to skate. It's exhilarating. It is fun, and I just love it. It's great exercise. Great exercise. Do you skate every day? No, 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 no. It's too dangerous. Too dangerous. It's, it'll hurt me. It'll I, hurt might, I might fall. It, it, there's cracks in the sidewalk and sometimes holes. It's just too dangerous. It might hurt. Sometimes we hang on to the things we love because we're afraid of the risk. We don't lay him down and let him help us through those times. Christian, you brought a really interesting thing into church with you this morning. What did you bring, Christian? Come right on up here. I decided to bring my golf clubs to in church today. Christian, you brought golf clubs. Why did you bring golf clubs to church? Well, when I was younger, I, I played golf, and I, I won a huge tournament. Really? How old were you? I was about seven years old. Seven years old. Yeah, those clubs look a little small for you, Christian. So do you play often? No, I actually don't play at all anymore. Um, I just, you know, every night I just go to bed looking at these clubs and just marvel at them. So you're living in the past, accomplishments of yesterday, rather than laying them down and letting God take you to some greater height. Interesting. Celine, you've got a great bag. What does that bag say, Celine? Come on up here and, and let's look at that bag. What does that say? That bag says Castaway Club. Tell us what's in your bag. My wedding dress. Your wedding dress. Congratulations. I didn't know you were getting married. That's wonderful. I was. No, I was. I was engaged. I had my wedding plan. I was so excited. But he left me at the altar. I love them so much. So I can't part with the dress. Sometimes we continue to carry those hurts around. Those wounds from years ago that someone inflicted on us. Yvonne... I've been trying to figure this out all morning. Come up here, Yvonne. I do not understand this. You're wearing a mink coat. Everybody knows it's going to be 90 degrees today, right? We don't need mink coats in Florida, right? It's just way over the... Why are you wearing a mink coat? Because it keeps me safe. It's, it's, my, it's my protection. It keeps things away from me. I don't feel vulnerable with it on. And isn't that the way we are? We wrap ourselves in cloaks of protection that we really don't need because we're afraid of being vulnerable. Somebody might see who I really am. All of you have the opportunity to apply Hebrews chapter 1 or chapter 12 verse 1 when he said, Lay aside, cast away, strip off every weight that so easily besets us and let us run the race with patience, endurance. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Melissa, don't you want to get rid of that sledgehammer? Yeah, I, I do. Daniel and Jessica, don't you want to get rid of that blind ambition and that right. hurt from the past? That's okay. That's okay. Oh, this one. Don't you want to get rid of that? And Mary, I know you've got a great story, but you don't, don't you want to let Jesus yep, rewrite sure. your story? Yep. 
And Nancy, how about giving up that that brought you pleasure so that you can find a greater pleasure in Jesus Christ? Yes. And Christian, I know you were seven. You won a tournament. You got a big trophy. But let's press on for greater things by giving that up. All right. And Celine, I know that that hurts. I know that he wounded you. But there is one who is our wound healer. His name is Jesus, and we can lay our hurts and our grievances and our offenses on the altar, and He will renew. He will restore. Won't you give that up? Yes. And Yvonne, I know that coat brings protection. I know it keeps you from being vulnerable. It makes a wall around you that nobody can penetrate. But Yvonne, isn't it time to get rid of the coat, to strip it off, and let Jesus do a new thing in your heart and in your life? Yes. Stand right here, every one of you. Chris, stay right here. Keon and Andrea, come over here. In Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us, come right over here, Keon. It tells us that we are to run the race with patience. And we run successfully when we strip up all this garbage. When we lay it aside. When we allow God to deal with it in our hearts and our lives. The implication is if we don't lay it down, if we don't strip it off, we won't run with endurance and with patience. We won't make it to the finish line because the weights we're carrying are too heavy and too great. You see, these folks, this isn't their story, but it's some of yours. Some of you identified with one of those things and you said, wow, that's me. That's the Holy Ghost speaking into your heart this morning. And he's telling you it's time to lay it down, to strip it off. Now, he says we need to run the race. Look at Keon. He looks like a runner, doesn't he? He's long and lean and slim, and I bet he can run a 40 and 4.8, can't you? Yeah, almost NFL speed, but not quite. Almost. He's fast. He's like a, like a leopard soaring across the Zingetti. You know, he's unbelievable. And then there's Andrea. If these two were a race, who would win? If they were to race, who would win? Everybody thinks Keelan would win. Raise your hand. Oh, let's try it. Come here. Let's try this and see. Come here, Andrea. I want to see who's going to win. Come here, Andrea. You're right over here. Come on now. I want you to get ready. Who thinks Keon will win? Raise your hand. Who thinks Andrea would win? Raise your hand. Hey, you got some fans, girl. Come here, Chris. Because Andrea represents the person who's laid it down, who stripped it off. And Keon represents the person who's carrying the weights of life. Pick that up. And now you're going to race. And I want you to run right over there to Miss Diana. On your mark, get set, go! Thank you, guys. You can be seated. You see, what we understand, Kobe, stay right here with me. I'm not done with you yet. You can set that down, buddy. What we need to understand is that's the way most of us try to live our Christian life. We fail to lay aside the weights that so easily beset us. So we can run the race with patience by focusing on Jesus. Pull that thing out of your back pocket. See, here's the problem. When we don't lay things aside, they bring other things into our lives. It brings habits and addictions and bondages. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. The load gets heavier and heavier and heavier because we refuse to get rid of those things we're carrying around. The good news is, thank you, Kobe, Jesus came to set you free. 
Jesus came to break off every one of those things. Jesus came so that you could have life and that more abundantly. Listen, you can't move forward while you're looking backward. You can't move forward while you're looking backward. You can't focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, when you're consumed with the things of life. So you and I need to understand that we have to lay those things down. That term, author of our faith, it can also be translated several other ways. It can be translated as captain, as pioneer, as leader, as champion. All those words are interchangeable when you look at the Greek. We need to understand Jesus is all of those things. He came as a man. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose again on the third day from the dead so that you and I could follow him. He's the first. He's the first. And he's the last. He is my captain. He is my pioneer. Anyone here remember when you were 10 years old and you were the first one off the high dive? How that made you feel. You did something that none of your friends had ever done. Do you understand the implication and illustration? Jesus led the way. Jesus made it possible for you and I to know forgiveness and salvation and to live a life that honors and glorifies God. I mean, you ever watched a scary movie, you know what's going to happen. And you know that first person down that hallway or down that alley or into that dark room, it's not going to end well. You know what's going to happen. I've got news for you. I know what's going to happen in my life. Because I'm following one who already walked down the dark alley. He already walked down the dark hallway. He already walked through the dark door and into the dark room. And he defeated hell, death, and the grave. And he rose again from the dead. That's why I can say he's the captain of my salvation. The author and the finisher of my faith. I can follow him because he knows where he's going and he knows what I need. You see, distraction is the nemesis, the enemy of our focus. We have got to learn to shed. I want that can back over here, Chris. You moved it too far away. Bring it right back over here. Shed the things that hold us back. Shed the things that keep us down. Shed the things that prevent us from fully following Jesus Christ. So the question this morning is, what's distracting you? What did you carry in today that you've been carrying around way too long? Was it a coat of protection? Was it something that builds a wall around you so it keeps everybody out? Pull that out of there, Chris. You're not done yet, buddy. You got to earn your money this morning. Was it a coat of protection? It may be beautiful, but it's not functioning what God wants it to do. Was it maybe a past victory? Something that you remember so fondly, you think about, and it has you paralyzed, stuck in that position at seven years old and not moving forward. Maybe it was a huge disappointment. Someone hurt you and wounded you deeply. You just can't get over it. You carry it around with you everywhere you go, every day. That disappointment is like a weight on your shoulders. Maybe it was a thing that you love to do, but now you're afraid to do it because you might get hurt. How many in the church are like that? I tried it once, but now I don't think I want to try it again. So we pull back. We refuse to engage. We won't be a part of what God wants us to do for fear of the 
risk of getting hurt. Or maybe it's your pride. I'm so special, I don't need God. I'm writing the story of my life and everybody needs to read about me because I am wonderful. Pride comes before a fall. A haughty spirit before destruction. Or maybe you're one of those one-third of our population who've been abused by a parent, a family member, a teacher, someone of influence and power and prestige. They took advantage of you, and now you're carrying the broken blocks of your life, trying to rebuild, but it's never going to happen. Or maybe blind ambition drives you, and you're going to roll right over anybody who gets in your past. It doesn't matter who says what. Or maybe you were bullied, you were abused as a young person, and you decided there is nobody that will be as tough as me from this day forward. You hit me, I'm going to hit you ten times as hard. You come against me, and you'll regret it to the last day of your life, because I'm the sledgehammer. Some of you in this place fit every one, every one of those descriptions. And what just happened? That's what Jesus wants to do for you this morning. He wants to break it off. He wants to annihilate it. He wants to destroy whatever is stealing your focus from him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Stand with me, please. Musicians, please return. We need to understand this morning that Jesus Christ came as the author and the finisher of our faith so that we could be set free. Set free. Not only from our sin, but from everything that we carry with us throughout the remainder of our life. Oh, folks, listen to me. If we would simply lay it down, you'll be amazed at what he's going to do. Stop saying, somebody needs to hear this this morning. Stop saying, I'm an alcoholic. No, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you're redeemed. You're blood bought. You are changed. You are delivered. You have a new name. Your name is written in heaven. Stop saying, I'm a divorcee. Oh, it's time to know God is your husband. He is faithful to you. He will never leave you and never forsake you. Lay it down and move on. You say, I wasn't wanted. My parents didn't want me. They gave me away. Oh, but you have been adopted by the Father through the life of the Son of the living God. You're a part of a family. You've been grafted in through Jesus Christ. Oh, hear me today. Today is the day to lay it down, to let him break it off. Therefore, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily entangle us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author, the captain, the pioneer of our faith heads are bowed and eyes are closed you're in this room this morning and you say Steve I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior I've never taken the first step I've never asked him to forgive my sins or to change my life. Right now in this room this morning, that's you. Right where you stand, lift your hand up and say, that's what I need to do today. I need Jesus. Yes, yes, others across this room. I need Jesus. Slip your hand up. I need Jesus. I'm waiting on you and he's waiting on you. I need Jesus. As I wait another moment. Yes, anyone else? Yes, anyone else? I need Jesus. I need him to come into my life. I need to focus on him and get rid of all the distractions. Anyone else? You'll join these who have raised their hand. Yes, thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? 
All right, the second part of this invitation. You love God, but your life is just ups and downs because you're carrying so much stuff He never intended for you to carry. Today is the time to strip it off, to lay it aside, to put it down. So when I open this altar, all of those who raise their hands saying, I need Jesus, you're going to come. And all of those that God is talking to you about, this is your day, you're going to step out and come right now. And they're going to sing it again. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. So on the count of three, you're here and you need God to do something in your life. You need to be forgiven or you need to lay aside the weight, the sin that does so easily beset us so that you can run with endurance the race that is set before you. That's you. As they begin to sing right now, one, two, three, step out and come. Come on, don't wait for anybody else. Step out and come. God's talking to you this morning. Step out and come. This is your day. This is your hour. This is your opportunity to focus on Jesus and to watch him break that off of your life today. Lay it down. Give it to him. Don't carry it. Oh, and when you lay it down, you're going to hear, you're going to hear the sound of that weight, that chain, that thing that's held you back. You're going to hear the sound of it being broken off of you today. Come on, I'm waiting on you from across this auditorium, the front, the back, the risers. God's talking to you. I'm waiting on you. Come on. God wants you here this morning because he wants to touch you today. Come on, God's speaking to your heart. Don't wait for somebody else. This is your day. This is your time. This is your opportunity to let God do something powerful in your heart and in your life. Come on, I'm waiting on you. Come on, you have nothing more important to do today than to lay it down. To lay it down. Come on, I'm waiting on you. Anyone else? You'll join these many who've responded. Elders and deacons, pastoral staff, gather behind them. Lay your hands on and begin praying for them. I'm simply going to walk down the line. I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to move on. But as you today determine to lay it down, you're going to hear the victory resounding in your spirit as that thing is broken off. If you need Jesus, turn to that person who's talking to you. Tell them, I need Jesus. They'll lead you to that place of repentance and they will lead you to that place of salvation. Right now, begin to ask Him. Ask Him to move in your life. Sing it out, Tom. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church... We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com